We've talked about it every week on the show, but now we can officially talk about it. It is happening. The most anticipated game of the last two years, Bishop Gorman and Liberty, the 5A state semifinals. This is Prep Sports Now. I'm Case Kiefer alongside Ray Brewer. Uh, of course, that's not the only game going on this week. A bunch of other uh, Clash of the Titans, so to speak, uh, some other really good games. The bracket uh, pretty much holds to serve on all three levels last week, uh, which you know you, you might look at as a little disappointing, no upsets, but at the same time, we get some great games out of it this week. Yeah, and let, let's be honest, the game, uh, the game Friday night between Liberty at Gorman is essentially the state championship game. Um, no matter what happens uh, in the North next week, um, we basically know this is the ring game. Winner goes to Jostens. And, you know, for Gorman, it's a game that's kind of been on their, their radar for two years, right? You know, Liberty did the unthinkable. Um, they stopped Gorman's winning streak at 10 games. Um, they arguably pushed them around on the lines. It was a historic night. It made national news. And I think ever since Cyrus Fiasu probably said that wrong, ran into the end zone for the, was it 30 to 24 victory? We've been waiting for this, this one game. Um, You'd be hard pressed to find another game with as much anticipation in in recent memory, maybe since you've lived here, Case, uh, maybe in the history of the state. Yeah, wow. Well, you can hear the uh, gravity of the of the meeting just from uh, those high words, but it's tough to dispute them. Uh, last week, Liberty beats our review thirty to eight. Bishop Gorman, uh, sixty three to six over Foothill. I guess in a way, both of them were closer than we may have expected. Just I mean, Liberty only twenty two points, so that's a uh, you know, somewhat obvious, but Gorman wins easily, but Foothill does score. The uh, scoreless streak is over. From the way you talk, it doesn't sound like much changed in your mind, but did, did the results of these two games, uh, you know, play any kind of role in uh, changing the way you think about uh, Gorman and Liberty playing this year? No, I, th- I think Liberty might have been guilty a little bit of looking ahead to Gorman, um, but let's not take anything away from Arbor View. Arbor View came ready to play. Um, they had a good game plan. They controlled the clock. Um, and it was, you know, indicative of what a good program uh, Arborview is. You know, they're, they're a top four team in Nevada. Um, they've got Division One kids every year. Um, they're, they're strong. They've got athletes, um, good quarterback, running back, wide receiver. They're big in the trenches. And they gave Liberty fits early. And if it wasn't for, you know, Jeremy Bernard with a few long touchdowns, you know, this it could have been uh, very close to an Arbor View upset. So all credit to Arbor View. Um, and, you know, we did get the matchup of Liberty Gorman, but Arbor View uh, went in there intent on, uh, on disrupting everybody's plans and they put up a great fight. And, you know, Liberty had to quickly turn the page and forget about what happened. They made some mistakes, um, and and get onto the uh, and get onto the Gorman game. Yeah, Ooh, Jeremy Bernard, uh, nearly three hundred total yards. Uh, what a night for him! We know uh, he's a key guy for Liberty. Um, you got to think that he's going to be uh, in Gorman's uh, crosshairs, so to speak, right now. You got to think Gorman's going to be uh, scheming to shut him down. If there's anyone with Liberty you're scared of, it's got to be Jeremy Bernard. Absolutely. And it got to the point with Liberty where they've even um, added him. So he's, he's, he's a wide receiver going to Washington. 
Um, great speed. Coach Rich Morocco said he's the best player in the state. Some people feel that Zach Branch over at uh, – or one of the Branch brothers over at, at Gorman. And now they've lined Bernard up at running back as well, Case. So they've got plays for him uh, just to touch the ball. So he'll be back there on punt return and kick return. He's lined up at quarterback this year. Um, basically put the nail in Arbery's coffin with a 95-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter on uh, Friday night at running back. So I think for Liberty to beat Gorman, Bernard's going to have to not only touch the ball 15, 20 times, but he's going to have to live up to the hype of being that that great player. You know, get him in open space and, and let him create. Um, that's your best way to win. Um, and also – I think what's kind of funny is, you know, we talk about this great rematch and in reality combined, I think there's 10 players who played in the 2019 game. Uh, Jeremy Bernard, one of them. Remember 2020 was when Liberty thought it had its best team, thought that they were going to win the state championship, thought that they had a chance to dethrone Gorman. That came early in 2019. So 2020, that rematch would have been sick because, there would have been, you know, it been very, very even. Um, so I, I do feel still kind of cheated because of the pandemic, but uh, here we are, 2021. Yeah, and I, I love to hear that, that they're lining Jeremy Bernard up uh, everywhere and just doing everything they can to get the ball to him. Uh, we've had a lot of disagreements on theories over the year, but I think uh, one we've always agreed on is you just got to find a way to get your best player uh, the ball. I think there's been some teams guilty in the past around here that just has like a you know, a generational talent and they struggle to get them the ball. I can remember a couple uh, instances and it seems like Liberty is determined not to make that mistake, especially going into uh, one of the biggest games in state history, as you said. Uh, so, so that's a good outlook on the Liberty offense side. What about the, the Gorman offensive side? I mean, obviously they've been very good on that side of the ball, uh, but it doesn't seem like they have the, the one guy that you're going to focus all your attention on, like Jeremy Bernard. Uh, just from looking at their box scores week by week, it seems like it's kind of someone different a lot of times. Uh, I'll put your shoes in the Liberty defensive coordinator. What, what are your focuses going up against this Gorman offense? So that's, that's a good question. Would you want to try to, I, I think the problem is, is at the beginning of the year, I thought there would be a bigger learning curve for the quarterback, right? He, he was a, you know, a sophomore really didn't get a lot of reps last year in that, that truncated spring season. But Michael, M- Micah Alhajo, and I know I said that wrong, and CK, I was over at Gorman um, yesterday for a preview, and Coach Canfield came over to me, and he's like, hey, bro, this is how you say it. And, of course, I don't remember the name, right? <laughs> is it Alihado? I think I, No, I think you got it right. You're smarter than I am. But <laughs> if, if, you, if you just look at that Gorman offense with – you know, branch at wide receiver. Um, and, you know, he's just so dynamic and quick, Zachariah Branch. And, you know, you've got a tight end who's who's only a sophomore, Elijah Lofton, and, you know, Jonathan Brady, the wide receiver. Um, and you're like, oh, boy, I think we got to slow these guys down in the passing game. And then you've got the running game with like Will Stallings Jr. that is just dominant. And I think up front with a guy like Jake Taylor leading the way, I think Gorman could get some good push. 
So I think they're going to have the that great run pass balance. And if you're Liberty, do you try to load the box and take away the run and let them beat you with with one on one coverage? And and maybe your sophomore quarterback who's in a big spot is a little rusty at first because if I'm Liberty. I just want to get the game into the second half and see what happens. Yeah, I think that probably is uh, – I mean, from afar, I haven't seen Gorman, but looking uh, through their box scores and talking about them every week with you, I think that might be the best plan of attack because I, I'm taking nothing away from uh, all, Micah Alihado, who looks like he's had a great year, but it does seem like they aren't asking him to do a ton. I mean, past Gorman teams the last few years, seems like they passed a little bit more. Um you know, maybe it's just because all these games are blowouts, but it seems like they're, they're running the ball a whole lot more. So I think your focus should be on stopping what they want to do. And I think what they want to do probably is still control the ground. So, uh, you know, I think that's playing with fire. If you're asking a kid this talented to beat you with his passing games, I think they absolutely could. But that's just kind of the nature of the beast going up against Gorman. And uh, I think I would focus on, you know, number one, what they want to do the most. And at least from afar, it looks like what they want to do the most is, uh, you know, back to like a little older school Gorman team where they're just going to beat you up on the ground. Yeah. And for, for all of our, all of my comments about, about the sophomore quarterback, he's completed 104 of 146 passes this year for 2,200 yards, 71%, 25 cut. Oh, yeah. 25 touchdowns, one interception. Yeah, he's, um, he's been incredible. I just meant the volume maybe isn't there as much as I – I would have thought he'd have more pass attempts than that coming into the year, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and that's where you go with, you know, the the fact that Gorman the last eight weeks or seven weeks, right, they, they just got scored on last week for the first time since mid-September, and – they haven't been in there. There's been no need really to do anything in the second half. And I wonder how that factors in. Like the fact that Gorman hasn't played into the fourth quarter, is that something to worry about? Or how Liberty, when they won the state championship in 2019, they played six out of state games. They played the who's who of regional opponents. And when they got a chance to play Gorman, there was no learning curve. This year, because of COVID, Liberty got to play one opponent. They weren't able to travel out of state. So they played one national opponent. Granite Modern Day is great, and they got killed. So I don't know if any of those two are reasons for concerns. I'm sure Gorman will tell you, hey, we've been training really hard. Our guys are well-conditioned. And Liberty will tell you, okay, we didn't get to play those games, but we still upped it up maybe in practice and challenged each other in practice. Yeah, I think uh, whether it matters or not, that it should be a focus of Liberty to be trying to drag uh, Gorman into, you know, you know, kind of uh, – guy I hate using the cliches but punch them in the mouth so to speak at least make it make them work for it at first keep it a close game and see what they have uh down the stretch in the second half I know Liberty hasn't been in a ton of close games either but you know Gorman's just been I mean Gorman the game's been over within the first six or seven minutes every single game so if, if you're Liberty I think you're just uh you know preaching a, a big start and uh you know kind of testing Gorman to see what they have as the game goes on if you're Liberty, do you try to run the ball at all, or do you just try to just pass? It's just hard for me when I when I haven't really seen Gorman. I don't really know what the strength of this defense is. I just 
I honestly don't know. I mean, your your best player, I think we both agree, is Jeremy Bernard, and you should be focused on, uh, you know, getting the ball to him. And now it seems like they can do it multiple ways. So maybe it would be smart to just line up and, you know, run him and run their, their other running backs and try to run some clock, make the game shorter. Uh, but then again, I mean, they've thrown the ball so well all year. Do you really want to get away from what you've uh, – what you've done the best. I don't think it's just strictly running. that's going to beat Gorman. So I don't know. My, my, my inkling would be balanced, uh, but I'm glad that this is uh, coach Rich Morocco's decision because he's uh, better equipped to uh, make a game plan than I am. Yeah. yeah. And that's the one thing we've seen over the years with teams is when they get in that stage against Gorman and, and we're talking teams that we thought had a chance to win and, and, and Liberty, they've got a chance to win but we've seen them get out of what they do to maybe try to condense the game a little bit, or, um, you know, maybe they try that, that crazy onside kick just because why not, you know, they're going to go from R 20 to midfield in one play anyways. Why don't we see if we could trick them and get the ball. And instead of, you know, when Liberty beat Gorman in 19, they just played them straight up, right? They had a quarterback who completed some, what was it, 80% of his passes, right? They slung the ball around. They were bigger and more physical on the line. How many times do you say that, right? A local team out physical Gorman. And then you got the whole emotion of the whole night. You know, the, the handful of Gorman players that were on the team in 19, they've been waiting for this for two years. And they're going to come out, supercharged and ready to go and how many times along the way have we seen the bear be poked yeah for sure i mean you got to think they're going to be fired up and going to give their best uh you know i i i don't know i'm sure they're more fired up for this game than i mean like you said it's all new kids so it's hard to totally compare but there, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to come out with a lot of juice Juiced. That's the same as the bear being poked, right? <laughs> uh, I just, I think it just, be, I just mean they're they're going to be fired up. I don't think you have to worry about them, uh, you know, ha- having a lackadaisical performance or even. I I don't agree with this, but even in 19, I think you could say maybe Gorman was a little bit overlooking Liberty and not over, maybe not overlooking is not the right word, but maybe just overconfident, just thinking, oh, we've killed these guys every year. People think they're going to beat us, but no chance. You know, I I don't think they're going to have that overconfidence going into this game. Okay. So when Liberty beat Gorman, one of my problems, uh, my few problems with Gorman's like 10 year winning streak is sometimes they'd win a game or a championship and it just felt like a normal Friday night, you know, getting the the handshake line, shake hands. It was over. There was like no emotion because, you know, the, the, the end result was kind of predetermined. And you even saw that. I don't know if you watched that, um, that online Tate Martell quarterback confidential thing five years ago or whatever. I never watched it, but I certainly heard a lot about it. Okay. But yeah, so his dad's basically like, you know, talking to people and, and basically saying, yeah, yeah, the season's kind of over. You know, we just got done with the national schedule and they're just going to, you know, go play some of these local teams. And, you know, that totally went against Gorman's mantra all the way through because, you know, winning a state championship has been like immensely important over at Gorman. But you kind of saw that mentality creep in a little bit when they started to bring the 
the national schedule and watching Liberty celebrate the way they did. It just, I, I'd miss that because, you know, whether it was like Cimarron Memorial back in the day or Las Vegas high back in the day, when you won a state championship, you just were jumping around and going crazy and you were charismatic. And it was like, like, Oh my God, we won state. It was, I mean, it's great. So like, it's like when the Chaparral Cowboys in 93 won that soccer state championship, you know what I'm saying? CK. And I wonder if Gorman goes crazy and celebrates when they beat Liberty. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you're kind of trying to get me into trouble setting me up with this, but I mean, I think it, it once it was still important to Gorman, but that being their mantra is, and I'm not at Liberty to speak this year. I don't know about this year, but if you go back four or five years, that was, if that was their mantra, it was a fake mantra and it had nothing to do with the kids because I honestly don't think a state championship meant as much to a lot of, and I'm not judging the kids. It's just the fact of what it is. <clears throat> a lot of those kids that are at, you know, big programs now are big names. A state championship did not mean the same thing to me. There is no way you can convince me that was Gorman's mantra back then. I mean, they were winning national titles and that's what they cared about. Um, I get they had to say it. They didn't want to get kicked out of the NIAA or whatever, but I mean, you said it yourself after saying it was their mantra. They they didn't care compared to other teams that win state championships. I don't know if it's going to be that way this year, but I, I do think that is one thing that, uh, you know, what did kind of bother you about their run is I, I think it just became ho-hum. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we were going through the motions, um, purely recreation, which after losing the 2020 season, having pure recreation doesn't seem like that bad of a deal, you know? Yeah, and, and I don't mean anything. I'm again, I, I'm just I'm just speaking truth here. That's how I saw it. I don't think I honestly if I had to guess, I don't think it'll be that way this year because as good as Gorman is, I mean, it's not quite the the factory for lack of a better word that it was four or five years ago, where it's just like all the best kids in the nation are there. And I think I'll just, you know, from top to bottom teams around the Valley and all around the country, maybe even this year. um, Well, I I guess this is a Nevada specific problem, but just not getting to play last year. I feel like there's a lot more appreciation to just be on the field. Um, So I I think it means a lot to to everyone, uh, including Gorman this year, if I had to guess. Okay. I agree. I agree. Okay. It was a good Um, day. Yeah, so Gorman Liberty, uh, we kind of talked about that. I will get back with the picks, but how about the other? Uh, we'll go down to the 4A, the pair of games there. Uh, probably exactly what anyone who was filling in their bracket would have had: Vegas and Shadow uh, at the top, and Silverado and Coronado rematch uh, at the bottom. I believe both these games are rematches. C- could you make a case that either of them are going to go any differently this time? Uh, yeah, I just uh, no. I mean, well. The Silverado Coronado games rematch. Vegas and Shadow haven't played yet. Oh, okay, my bad. I was thinking. Yeah, that. but but we had all along sense that Silverado Shadow would be the two teams in the state championship game, and it looks like that state championship game is going to be the two teams we thought: Silverado and Shadow Ridge. I will tell you that the defender for Coronado. Um, I, I was at the Coronado game case, so I'm not, my opinion hasn't changed. I think Silverado crushes them because they're more deep and it's their championship to win. Um, and I watched Coronado just struggle mightily because of the bye week against basic, but the defender that's going to Reno for Coronado, Ike Nakani, I don't know if that's how you say it is really good. I mean, really, really, really good. 
Um, and he was in the backfield the entire game. And that dude has got a chance to, to really shake up Silverado's plans, which for all of Silverado's greatness this year, it has not had to play from behind. And I wonder if they get in a game if they shrivel up. So for whatever that's worth, also that Noah McKinney kid for Coronado, the lineman that's going to UNLV, the moving from Texas, who's like 6'5", 280, he's also the real deal. So Coronado has got a few guys that could go. Um, but, you know, Chris Avila, he's good story. He ran the ball hard, but, you know, how much fear is he putting into Silverado? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is the uh, state, state championship game in my mind. I know I complain about it every week. No. Coronado no beat Shadow Ridge. How is it? It's so unfair that they have to play him again, that they have to play Silverado before Shadow Ridge. They were the one seed. They should be on the other side. How can you disagree with that? I, 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 I Listen. You're missing what happens on the field stays. Coronado beat Shadow Ridge. You're just a, you, we're just going to – we're just getting rid of that? I, I, I understand. Listen, to win state – it, the best three teams are Silverado, Shadow, and Coronado. Coronado was going to have to beat Shadow and Silverado regardless in the playoffs. They're all going to have to beat each other no matter what happened in the regular season. It just happens that Coronado is going to have to beat them both or Silverado is going to have to beat them both, and Shadow gets an easier game with Vegas. Yeah, I just I just don't like that the team that should be third doesn't have to beat – you say they're all going to have to beat each other, but they don't. Shadow doesn't have to beat everyone. Um, but I do like that way of looking at it. I guess that that's the uh, optimistic way of looking at it. That's the way the players should be looking at it, and I sure hope they are. Um, my second thought, though, is why, you know, if I'm making a case – and I'm with you. I think Silverado is the team to beat. I've said it all year. They've been so impressive. But if you're make, trying to make a case for Coronado, I mean, clearly you came away impressed by looking at them. But can we look a little bit closer at their first game? I think we look back and think, oh, Silverado won pretty easily because it was an, in the end it was an 18-point uh, margin of victory. But going into the final four minutes, it was 17-14. to 14. I mean, it would look like literally anyone's game. Uh, and Silverado scored and then scored again right before the end of the game. I think maybe the game was a little bit closer than the, than the margin makes it sound. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you. I would also say that Silverado did a good job of just outlasting them, um, that they kind of warmed down a little bit. And um, now, granted, that was case, what, five weeks ago? And uh, that was September 17th, and Coronado has now won one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row. Three of those games they pitched a shutout, Two of those games, they only gave up six points. So I think we're going to be in for a, a darn good game. Um, again, I'm picking. I, I'm. I don't want to give my picks away, but Silverado's the favorite. It's it's going to be close again. Silverado's. Pro, I mean, Coronado's probably better than that 13 to zero game that I saw last week. That was very sloppy, and you know, and Silverado probably has played a lot of easy opponents along the way, including last week when they beat um, Clark. And, no, no, they beat Spring Valley in the playoffs after Clark had to forfeit. So they really haven't played anybody tough since they played Coronado. They haven't been in a game really in a month and a half. 
Yeah, I'm holding out hope that this will be that game uh, that you speak of. Uh, I think it certainly looks like the closer one on paper, but let's also uh, discuss Shadow Ridge in Las Vegas. I don't know why I kept thinking they played earlier this year. I thought Shadow Ridge uh, crushed them, but apparently uh, I'm wrong. Maybe that was a past year's uh, memory. Um, but, I mean, Shadow Ridge has put up some really big uh, numbers in recent weeks. I mean, they had, speaking of teams that haven't been in a game since Coronado, since Coronado beat them in that really close game, they've just destroyed everyone. Uh, is there a case you can make for Vegas here, uh, breaking through and giving Shadow Ridge some competition? Yeah, well, here's the deal. Shadow's outscored opponents like 402 to 160 this year. They've rolled every team they're supposed to. And even last week against the Durango team that kept it close against them early, they won 38 to 7. We know Shadow's got a premier tailback, um, correct? And and they're going to be tough to beat. I, I won't lie to you, but here, here's why I think Vegas and my East Side pride, um, my East Side pride, and that tailback, of course, is Holland for uh, for Shadow, who just goes off every week, right? But in my in my East Side pride case, I look at I look at the Wildcats, and they're young, right? They've got a uh, uh, a freshman quarterback in Eli Espinoza. Um, they're, you know, and, and they, they really have nothing to lose. But they they do have a few guys that I think are going to prevent – are going to provide some problems. Um, Andrew Bowen, very athletic on the outside. Adonis Jackson, who plays both ways, running back and linebacker, might be the best player on the field. Now, is he – as good as Jeremy Bernard in the Gorman Liberty game, probably not. But saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. Does he have an opportunity to impact this game? He does. I just think that Shadow is more organized and more physical than Vegas, and I think Shadow's misdirection offense is something Vegas hasn't seen. And you've seen all year that, you know, teams in more affluent areas seem to beat teams in less affluent areas. And there's definitely a divide here. And that's why I take – I like the Mustangs. But nothing against my kitty cats. I'm rooting for them, as you know. All right, yeah, well, pretty thorough breakdown there. It makes sense uh, to me. And, and as you heard, today's podcast presented by Amazon. <laughs> just, just joking. But, uh, no, no, I just – because of Max preps and they got all those ads and I can't turn the volume down – because if I turn the volume down, I can't hear you. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm expecting a, I'm expecting a check in the mail for Amazon after, uh, after that live read. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, so that that's the four A. We'll get back to it with the picks in uh, the three A. Quickly, we'll touch on. I think maybe have we been saying this wrong the whole time? We were saying uh, Virgin and Moapa would play now, but they both are playing Northern opponents now before the state championship. So there's a chance we could have an all South state championship. Yeah, and I tell you what, both of these games, I try to do a little recon work without talking to Lake Tahoe guy on my own, CK. Uh-huh. And I think Virgin's going to have its hands full. Um, Elko, traditionally a tough place to play. Um, that community case right on the Idaho border really, really supports its teams. Um, even when they travel into Reno for the state tournament, Elko's got like a thousand cheerleaders and band band members and performers. And there's going to be a ton of people at that game rooting against Virgin. 
And then Elko also has a pretty good tailback in a kid named uh, Eli Finn Lawson, who's a sophomore, who's uh, rushed for more than 1,000 yards, 21 TDs in nine games. And he's one of these guys that looks like he'd be a fullback in college, not too quick, but just a brutal person to take down. And I uh, I think Virgin's going to have its hands full. I've picked Mawapa all year to win state. I'm not getting off that tune. Um, I will say, looking at the Churchill County roster, they've got like three, six, uh, three 280 guys on the line. And I know Mawapa is smaller on the line. So could there be an opportunity for Churchill County to maybe win the game on the ground? Possibly. But again, traveling to Mawapa for the game, probably not that easy. Interesting. I had no idea after all these years. I didn't know Elko was all the way up at nearly Idaho. You learn something new uh, every day. You've got me so against the uh, northern part of the state that I like literally don't even know the basic geography up there. Yeah, and remember a few years ago, they had a really good basketball team, and I think Desert Pines ended up beating them in the playoffs. It was when Clark and DP were 1-1A, and and Elka was like, hold on, we're 1C, and I think they took DP to like double overtime in the state tournament. Yeah, I do know they've had some good teams, uh, good sports over the year. Is is this the team we used to always joke about where our colleague uh, Yasmina Chavez is from? Yes, yes. Yes, the fighting Yasmina has taken on the uh, the Virgin Valley uh, Bulldogs. So yeah, I mean that sounds like a tough trip to me. Uh, you certainly have me sold on that. I I do think Virgin Valley is pretty good though. I'm not ready to just totally write them off here, but that should be uh, a fun game to keep an eye on. The Wapa Valley, on the other hand, gets to stay here in Southern Nevada, and they're taking on Churchill County. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Is this one clearer to you? Yeah, again, I just uh, – Mawapa's been so good at home. Um, I, I just don't see them they're, – they're built for this. They're built to play small towns from Reno in the playoffs. And I don't care what year it is, I can't pick Churchill County unless they've got R.J. Hubert, you know what I'm saying? Unless there's a player of R.J. Hubert's quality that we would have heard about on the other team – you just can't pick against Moapa. Yeah, I apologize. I don't know how we had this wrong. I feel like all we've been talking about Virgin and Moapa playing this week uh, forever. Um, well, they'll play next week, allegedly in Reno. I'm sh- surely they won't make them travel to Reno to play each other. Oh yeah, no. It says on the ni on the NIAA even bracket official bracket. It says that it's at Reno High if the North teams involved. Okay, even so better. We're good uh, from that front. I do have one. Uh, one one clarification question for you. I just want to ask after all these years on the podcast and hearing you talk so bad about the North, I know your main beef is with Reno. So I have a question. Does does like Elko apply? Because it's not really in the Reno metro area. Is it the whole North you don't like, or does it have to be within that uh, that, that Reno area? So I've I've never been to Elko before. I've been to Ely when UNLV football used to train and had a bad experience. Uh, they got a casino where like they're – their table pit area is like a basement. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I've, I've been, had a few nights in Fallon. One time I drove from Reno to Fallon for something. I got a traffic ticket there and back um, <laughs> on, on, the, on the same trip. Um, but 
we have a, as a family have been to Virginia city and had a great time. And of course we went to Tahoe for a little bit and had a great time as well. How could you not? And that's without Lake Tahoe guy taking me to dinner. All right, so you're you're softening in your old age. You don't even seem as mad at the North as you normally do. I was saying, yeah, but you know, I hate Reno. Even like we have a new reporter, and uh, she turned to a story, and it was like, I don't know what she like. She used University of Nevada Reno, and I'm like, listen, you got to learn the Sun style if you want to survive here. It's it's U N R. Get it right. <laughs> All right. Well, we will have to see if. Uh, if a trip back up north is in Moapa or Virgin's uh, future, it d- depends on what happens in these two games. Uh, we'll get to those, though. Let's go uh, to the picks, though, and we can get back up to the 5A. The winner of Bishop Gorman Liberty will take on McQueen and Bishop Minogue, too, in case you're wondering about that. But who, who do you got, Gorman or Liberty? Uh, yeah, so I just I, – I can't find a path for Liberty to win this game. Um right? It's expected to be standing room only crowd, which means nothing. I'm glad that we're going to get that, that type of environment, but rarely in Gorman's rise to greatness in the last 12 years or whatever, have we seen a game where the opponent is this squarely on their radar, right? We saw it with Paolo a few times, but this is them making amends for a loss um, they're they're obviously a little well a little better organized right now, and I just think from top to bottom they've got better players. Um, Liberty's got Anthony Jones. Liberty's got Jeremy Bernard. Liberty's got a quarterback Maeva that's going to UNLV. Um, but I just think Gorman across the board is is got more talent and more speed and more weapons, and I feel like. If Bernard doesn't catch 11 for 230 with three touchdowns, how is Liberty going to win? And I feel that the star for Gorman could be one of four players. So I give Gorman the edge by about four touchdowns. I think they win 43 to 15 or 16. Okay. I I was probably with you before today, but I don't know why. Just looking through the the stats and the numbers and – I mean, Liberty's been pretty impressive this year, too. I'm not picking them to win, but I think uh, – I don't know why. All of a sudden, I'm pretty confident that this will be a somewhat close game. I think I'd only pick Gorman uh, by about half the margin. I'm going to say Gorman by two touchdowns. Okay. It's so, just hard to pick against them right now. I just – you know. What would you – because I sense we've got a $5 wager percolating here. <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't have spoken on my two touchdowns. I think I'm kind of being uh, – I think with that, I'm kind of being a little generous, but well, somebody I'd take 24. Okay, well, I'm odd that you bring that up because somebody asked me on the Liberty sideline on Friday what I thought the number would be, and I said uh, I, I might have even said 23. So I'd give you 23 for five dollars. I'd take Gorman and you take Liberty. Uh, 23 and a half. We can meet in the middle. No push. I'd even give you 24. I think Gorman's going to make it. <laughs> Let's do it. If I get the 24, I'm done. We can make it a $10 play. I want to All right. $10 play of the week because it's a historic game. I got Gorman minus 24, and you've got Liberty plus 24. Yeah, I just 
I think with Liberty beating them before, I just I have faith in this coaching staff. Um, they might not be top to bottom as strong as Gorman, but the guys at the top of their roster can hang right with them. I think they're going to have a good plan. I think they keep it close. Uh, Gorman's going to be too much in the end, but I, I think Liberty keeps it close. It's going to be a really fun game. Can't wait to see uh, how it turns out. 6 p.m. at Bishop Gorman on Friday. Um, we'll go to the 4A now. Quote unquote, your kitty cats against uh, quote unquote, your Mustangs. This has got to be a tough one for you. A lot of uh, allegiances for you. In yeah. This. Well, I picked Shadow Ridge at the beginning of the year to win state, and they are peaking at the right time. I think the one thing with Shadow Ridge is every time we thought they had a chance, they've heard us say that and they've played awful. <laughs> um, so I really do think that Shadow is overlooking Vegas, and I think the game's going to be closer than you think. I got the Mustangs, but I think it's a, a drawn-out, close affair, 25-23, give or take. Ooh, okay, another one where we're going to be on the same result but have uh, very different ways of getting there. I, I think Shadow wins this game uh, easily. I don't know why. I, I just I agree with you that I think there's a clear top three, and I think uh, Shadow is in that. Vegas has had a great year. Taking nothing away from them, they should uh, you know hang that banner with their league championship with pride, but I think uh, – I think they're meeting their end with Shadow Ridge, and I think that it's going to be pretty apparent pretty early that Shadow Ridge is uh, just just a, too strong for them. Okay. Okay. All right. So Shadow Ridge for both of us, and who will they be playing, Silverado or Coronado? Yeah, I just uh, you bring up a lot of good points about uh, about Coronado um, in that last meeting. I think the one thing from our previous talk that is giving me some reservations about Silverado is the fact that they just have not been challenged uh, since they played Coronado. And what happens if they're in a game? And I could very easily see Coronado, you know, celebrating this win and getting to play in the state championship. But I just, as bad as Coronado played last week, I just can't see them with no ability to pass the ball beating a, a really balanced Silverado team that's very well coached. You know, they've got, in addition to Andy Ostalaza, who is a veteran guy, they've got Coach Micah, Micah Evans uh, from, you know, Coach O from De- Desert Oasis, Paul Neapoli, my guy from Chaparral. You know, this is a coaching staff with a lot of head coaches. I think that makes a difference, and I got the Hawks. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. And I like that you've compared uh, Silverado to Gorman all year. And, and here we're saying the same thing. It's how are they going to – what are they going to do if they're in a close game since it's been so long? Um, I mean, I wasn't there, so it's hard for me to say. But I think you might be being a little too harsh on Coronado for the 13-0 win last week, especially because, I mean, you can't say anything bad about their defense. They shut out Basic, who we were all high on coming into the game. I don't think either of us would have expected that. So defensively, I think they deserve a tip of the cap. And – they might have had trouble passing, but they've also had games this year where they threw the ball pretty well. I, I, I'm not necessarily worried that they're not going to be able to throw at all. Um, I mean, maybe if, if it looked that bad, maybe I'm wrong against basic. But, um, you know, I, I can remember looking earlier in the year, and they've had some some pretty good passing games. And even the first game against Silverado, I know I keep going back to that, but Josh Wayne Rade was 12 for 20 for 170 yards, a touchdown, no interception. I think you take that every day. I, I'm not necessarily – I'm not worried. I'm not as worried about their passing game as you are. I guess did did it just look awful on uh, on Friday, or what's the deal there? It was very, they were just very sloppy in all facets of the game. Okay, well, I, I think they have a better performance here. I ultimately, 
I think you make too many good points on Silverado. I don't. I can't pick Coronado to pull it off in the end, but I think it's going to be even closer than the first one. I'm going to say uh, Silverado by seven points. Okay. All right, okay. So Silverado Shadow Ridge we have for the state championship at Allegiant Stadium. Um, but for one, I'm not going to be shocked if it's Coronado Shadow. I know uh, from the sounds of it, Brewer kind of would be. I can't fault him, but I think Coronado plays well here. I think they play better than last week. Uh, 3A is, is our final uh, two picks. Elko hosting Virgin Valley. Yeah, so I hate to say this, but I got Elko. Um, I just think the eight-hour bus ride, having to spend the night in Elko, um, and then trying to tackle this uh, this Eli Flacione kid who uh, who's only going to get stronger as the game goes longer. And remember, Virgin's got you know three two-way starters that are just getting back into the lineup. They probably won't be conditioned for the fourth quarter. I think it's close. If the game was in Virgin, I'd take Virgin by two touchdowns, but I got Elko 39-30. All right, I, I like it, and it probably is the smart call, but I'll be the uh, prideful Southerner or prideful uh, Southern Nevada. And, um, I, I, Virgin Valley's been, been pretty good. Uh, they've had some bad games, but I don't know. For like the last three years, I feel like they've come up in spots where we don't expect much of them. Uh, speaking of a team that can throw the ball, I mean, they've had some success throwing the ball. You mentioned the really good Elko kid. I don't know. Maybe Virgin Valley's better top to bottom. At least that's what I'm going to talk myself into. I'm going to say Virgin Valley uh, somehow comes away with a close close win in Elko. Okay. Well, we disagree there. Well, do you agree that that there's a good chance this is the closest game of the week? Correct. Okay. Correct. So I'm not Correct. too crazy. I'm going to go Virgin. Um, and I guess I spoiled it, but Moapa, Churchill County, the other game uh, – it's hard when we don't know a ton about these northern teams, but I know what Moapa's done this year, and it's been impressive. I think Moapa will uh, take care of them. Okay. You with me? Um, yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, Moapa's going to win. I'm not picking them not to win. All right, so that one sounds like the one we have at least disagreement on how it's going to go or anything. We think uh, Moapa wins that game. Pretty clearly, so that does it for this uh, week's slate of games. Uh, should be fun. Uh, only a few left, only some state championship games left that we'll uh, talk about once we come back next week. For Ray, I'm Case. Thanks for listening to Prep Sports Now.